2: You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show. I'm back in the hot seat after a couple of weeks off. Big thank you to Orla Carmody and Barbara Scully for looking after the shop when I was away. It's great to be back with you and looking forward to the run-in now to Halloween and Christmas. Can you believe it? Doesn't the year turn around real fast? 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or texting me to the show. I love to hear from you. Now we begin today... Uh, with a lovely story uh, in one way and in another way it's really sad too because you know the war in Ukraine has been going on for some time and there's no end to it by the looks of things and many from Ukraine have come to live with us here in Ireland and I'm joined on the show today by one of those Olga Skorik is with me and I'm also joined by Karen Smith curator and facilitator with My Streets and local photographer ladies you're very welcome to the show thank you both for thank joining Thank you Jerry. Me. good, good you. afternoon uh, Olga it's great to have you with us on late lunch this afternoon will you tell us a bit about yourself where do you come from in ukraine
3: yes uh thank you very much uh for this and uh, i'm ukrainian refugee and i'm here with two my uh children uh with my son 11 years old and my daughter 16 years old but uh, one year ago when everything happened uh, um we were very lost and uh we were scared of everything and uh, uh, because of very kind people that we met on our way now we are here in this beautiful country in this lovely city uh, we like these people because uh, every day when I wake up in the morning I think that oh my god I'm with my children in peaceful place and we can study we can uh, work here. Uh, We can um, do our hobbies and we can go outside and don't afraid of uh, the planes on the street. I'm very thankful for Irish people for everything that uh, for everybody who helped me who helped me with advices who helped me with uh, some routines uh, uh, who just uh, hug me or tell me some good words. Thank you very much Ireland.
2: Oh, listen, it's lovely to hear that, how happy you are to be here and that you're away from, you know, what you've come from. And what you describe there is normal life that everybody should be able to live and is entitled to. Come back to what I asked you. Tell me about your city. Where is the city you're from?
3: Oh, yes, sir. Uh, My city is on the north of Ukraine, uh, only 50 kilometers from the border with Russia and Belarus. My city is Chernihiv, my lovely city, where I was... uh, burn and growing, I was uh, uh, a teacher of primary school there. I had everything in my life, my house, my husband, my, my no- normal life. Uh, mm. but what did
2: your husband do? Uh,
3: my husband was just IT specialist. Uh,
2: Okay, so you had a nice life, an IT specialist, a primary mm-hmm. school teacher, your two children, a nice home and a lovely life until Russia invaded and you were on the front line from day one of the yeah, war. Yeah,
3: from the first day of the war we were attacked by Russian army.
2: That meant that you had to leave your home and go into shelter and go underground, was it, for a number of weeks? Uh,
3: yeah, uh, because our city was blocked from every side of uh, we couldn't move uh, at first and we lived maybe three weeks uh, in underground. We were hiding. It was a terrible time. Really, we were very sick of all of this. We were very scared of this and only when um, uh, volunteers saved us and uh, they helped us to move from our city to capital of Ukraine only uh, only there uh, I could uh, 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 Charging my phone. Yes. And uh, I saw uh, the last messages from my husband. He asked me, please, please stay alive and save your, yourself and children.
2: So your husband went to the Donbass, is it, to fight? Yeah, he joined up. He wanted to go and help the, the cause and fight uh, the Russians and yes. a, on behalf of, of yeah. Ukraine for your country. You went to Kiev with your children, to Kiev with your children. And eventually you came to Ireland, was it? How did you come to, to be in Ireland?
3: Um, uh, it's, uh, from the first day of the war um, my husband uh, he was abroad in Czech Republic mm. because he worked there at that time but uh, he decided that he must come back to Ukraine and protect us and Ukraine uh, of Russian army because he had some experience uh, uh, like a soldier okay. because uh, in Ukraine you know war started not only half, uh, half one year and a half uh, it was started from 2014 and he, uh, um, he went to the army like a volunteer from yes. the first years. And then when he came back, uh, he, uh, he was sent uh, from the border, uh, just from the Lviv. He was sent to the east of Ukraine in mm. the hottest place at yes. that time. And uh, all the time he was uh, um, contacted with us. Uh, he tried to support me. And he told me that uh, uh, don't believe anybody that it's just uh, uh, practice or it's just training. No, it's real war. Believe yes. me, because I see this here. Yes. And then uh, uh, when, uh, when everything happened, um, uh, at first we arrived to Poland. Polish people helped us very yes. much, but then we, uh, we had a uh, We must uh, make a choice uh, to stay in Poland or go to another country. But at the time, we were very scared of everything. Yes. We couldn't uh, uh, sleep normally. We, um, you know, when it was something loud, like sound, uh, loud sound, at first, the first my reaction was uh, lie on the floor.
2: You thought it was an explosion, so that you had been conditioned yeah. that way because of what you experienced with yeah. the invasion and all that happened then. So you went from Kiev to Poland to and Poland. then ultimately here to Ireland.
3: Yeah, and then uh, Polish volunteers uh, tried to uh, suggest us which country we can go. They told me that, you know, Ireland is most beautiful country for mom with children. Yeah, and then uh, we were waiting. We, we have bought tickets to Ireland and then we fled and here. And the
2: rest is history. And here you are living in <laughs> Drogheda ever since. Yeah. Your husband went to defend Ukraine, went to the Danbas. Yeah, Tell us what happened.
3: Um, yes, uh, he he was with his brother. Uh, they were in the hottest point at that uh, time. Uh, it was small city, small town, uh, Popasna. At that time... Uh, it was very dangerous place because russian army was uh, inside this city and uh, uh, and uh, yeah they they had battle uh, uh, lots of people were died there at that time and uh, only when i was in poland with my kids uh, our friends f- uh, called me and tell me that it's sad news that Unfortunately, um, uh, my husband was killed by he Russia.
2: Was killed in a battle. Yes. Yeah. Vitaly was his name. He was only 35 years of age. Yeah, it
3: was. He was only 35 oh. years. In only in few months, he must be 36. But he is our hero, and uh, only in one month after these uh, uh, volunteers can find his body because uh, it was ve- the ve- all ways were closed. Yes. Uh, nobody can come here because it was under Russia. Everything. Mm.
2: So when? Yeah. How long ago was he killed? How long is that? How long has he? Uh,
3: he was dead? killed uh, at the end of March, twenty twenty-two.
2: So you now are mum to your two children, uh, Oleg, who's ten, and Valeria, who's sixteen, yeah. and they're here in Ireland with you. Yeah, I'm sure you all miss him every single day.
3: Yeah, you know at first uh, uh, mm. we thought that very soon uh, everything is finished and we can come back home Uh, and with uh, every news um, every day that uh, I check news of Ukraine and in my city as well I understood that uh, no it's not now it's not impossible to do now we should wait because I Mm. must uh, uh, be alive for instead of both of us because now i am a mom and i am a dad together and uh, i must do everything for my children that they live normal life yes
2: and someday you dream of going home of course yes
3: hopefully yes, yes. and we will rebuild our cities and uh i i always tell that uh, uh mm, All my new friends here in Ireland, you are very welcome to our beautiful country. After the war, we will be happy to show you all our nature, our beautiful uh, cities. You're very welcome to us.
2: Oh, Thank you so much. That's really lovely to hear. Um, let me talk to Karen. Welcome to the show, Karen Smith, thank photographer you. and curator and facilitator with My Streets. You're here uh, with Olga for a very particular reason. Tell us what's going on.
4: I am indeed. So we have an exhibition in the library here in Drauda and it's on since the 22nd of September to the Totiat. Might be a little bit after that. The library are very good to us, I have to say. And so basically what it is, the... It's a photographic exhibition and it's from United who are Ukrainian and Irish photographers working together. Mm. And it's to show the powerful imagery to shed light on the resilience and the strength and the culture um, fusion that has emerged from the complex narrative that we've just heard from Olga. So basically, it's to see the profound stories and connections that form between Ukraine and Ireland. So for Olga to come here, the photos show different aspects of how her husband's in the photo our her children and herself and then it goes on to her beautiful home and her children and how they were building with scaffolding and things like that. The centre photo at the top is her home but it's completely destroyed. There's nothing. It's complete ruins. So
2: it really is a before, during and after and life in Ukraine and life here in Ireland all coming together. It is.
4: And it's other photographers. So it's not just Olga's story that's in the centre of the other sides is based on the other photographers. So it's portraiture, landscape. It just shows the cultural uh, exchange here. Um, in Ukraine, they didn't celebrate Halloween. The kids didn't know what trick-or-treatment was. And there's a photo of that on the board because it shows them dressed up in Halloween uh, costumes and, you know, interacting here socially. So yes, and
2: becoming involved in our customs and traditions as it, well.
4: That's it, that's it. So it's it's basically um, just to show that it's human spirit and the power of cultural exchange.
2: So that's running in Drahada Library until yeah. the 30th of the month and it's free for for Anybody it, to go it in, it is and indeed.
4: Yeah, if you go in, it's on the right hand side, just when you go in the door, it's usually a study area. Yeah, and it's just behind the machines, you know, you scan the books in, and it's very powerful. The photos are very powerful, I have to say. When I seen them and they were up on the boards, it's very sad, but it tells an amazing story of strength and courage to get mm-hmm. here, you know, to bring her children here.
2: I watched as I was talking yeah. to Olga, you were deeply touched by this. I aren't was nearly
4: you? crying, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: It's it's impossible not to be, isn't can it? Can
4: you imagine that happening here? Like yes. people you know, I've heard people saying, Oh, it's not true and I've heard people saying, Oh, should this, this goes on, you know. People have no compassion mm. and empathy and I find empathy and compassion goes a long way. And it was you know, it's it's deeply touching. That, you know, you've been through a lot, and, and uh, like I know Olga now a long time. I've met or other than with the project, yes, um, through a project we did when you were learning English in DKIT. Mm. So I've got to know her and her children, and you couldn't get anybody so nice, sweet, sweet family. Um, I'm glad that I've made friends with her you know. It's it's I'm blessed that I'm involved in the projects, and um, my street's an amazing um service and um, we have the youth club here and um, the next pitch beside you and um, we're teaching them photography and they have their own little exhibitions and we'd won the art centre and um, we're trying to get the kids to interact and the different cultures to mix mm. so mixing cultures is a big deal for me Yeah, it is a big deal and it's
2: a big deal for this country it and is. everybody in it it
4: is because this country is based on it's not only Irish people the, the country's full of Indian people <laughs> Chinese people were very diverse. We
2: have and we've become that uh, even since I I was a young boy and that it was very limited the amount of people who lived here from, you know this yourself, Karen, as well. But now we are a multicultural race and what people from abroad bring to this country is simply, simply wonderful. How have you found, you know, uh, being here in general from, I take it from what you've said about Irish people, you're very uh, grateful and and you've been made, uh, on, on the most part, very welcome
3: yeah thank you. um you know uh in ukraine um we have our own traditions as well and uh, here we we meet new traditions we tried uh, to take part in this uh, like karen told that my children was very happy were very happy to to try uh, themselves in uh, halloween celebration last year and then um uh, my children are their members uh, of Drogheda Swimming Club uh, here. They have uh, lots of sessions in Aura Swimming Club. They yes. have their lovely coaches. They t- took pa- take part in different competitions. They have some Irish medals. That's great. And uh, when uh, I can see th- smiles on their faces, they have some new friends, new emotions. Uh, I'm happy too of this
2: and, and what do you do? Did you, do you work or can you work or what do you do yourself?
3: Uh, for now, the, um, my task number one is improve my English skills because uh, um, I have never used English in my life. I just had uh, English like a subject at school
2: So you, you 20 re- years ago. You really didn't have any English till you arrived here? Isn't she fantastic? She's amazing. Her ah, English, your English ones, is wonderful yeah. for <laughs> the you short time you're here. You've I've,
4: done great. When I first met her, she couldn't even say hello in English. Yeah, yeah last year. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. My
2: word. There you go. Yeah. You're doing wonderful. You really are. So your job is to improve your English and then when you. Yes, yes.
3: And uh, I'm a teacher of primary school. I had uh, more than 18 years' experience uh, in this in Ukraine. And then when we arrived here, at first, uh, I was to... Uh, teaching online my class because Mm. I had the first class last year. And, you know, my uh, students uh, are in different places of the world, in different countries, not only in European countries. They are in Canada, in USA. And we try to connect with each other. Uh, Yeah, it's difficult because we have different times. Yes. And uh, for now, the situation is changed because... uh, Children uh, went to local schools, yes, and uh, they are busy. But every Saturday from nine until uh, uh, twelve, we try. Uh, I open my Google uh, Google Meet, Google Classroom, uh, and I invited my children with their parents, and we have three lessons in Ukrainian language. Excellent. We continue um, speaking in uh, Ukrainian. We continue. Um, um, support each other. It's very, very important for us. It's, it's like a therapy.
2: I understand that. Anyway, look, I have to leave it there for today. I thank you for joining me. I wish you well. The exhibition is on till the 30th in the Library. But for the moment, Olga Skorik and Karen Smith, thank you both for joining me thank on the you show. Thank you very much. I'm sure most of you are watching the rugby, were you? On Saturday night. Oh my, what a gripping encounter it was. It was unbelievable. The match was just something else. It was on the knife edge. And I have to say, as an Irish fan, had... South Africa, somebody who could kick the penalties and the conversions, we certainly would have lost that game, and we've got to keep that in mind. But they hadn't. That's the reality. We won it, but I'd say there's some bruised bodies in green shirts uh, early this week, and recovery needed, of course, until we play Scotland. It's not till the seventh of October, but it was. I was watching it. Uh, I was away for a few days. Was watching it uh, in a bar down uh, our Carlaway, and honestly. It was just gripping. The place was in awe of the match. It was wonderful. It was wonderful and a great win. Well done to Ireland. Hopefully now they can um, make it all the way uh, through when we play Scotland and get the win that we need there to carry us on into the quarterfinals. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with IVF in humans, but have you ever heard of IVP in cattle? Well, it's something relatively new and it's proved very successful for a local farmer. Shay Sheridan is on the line. We're going to talk to Shay in a moment. But first, Paddy Buckley is a vet based down in Cork and he's the man who brought this uh, IVP to Ireland relatively recently. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Let's start with Paddy first. Paddy, tell us about IVP because before this you had M-O-E-T, all these acronyms, multiple ovulation embryo transfer in cattle what's the difference
5: the end point is the same they're they're both uh, uh, both necessary producing embryos from your best cattle um, in the simplest form the MOET the cow does the the production for you and in uh, IVP it's, uh, we do it in the lab um, with embryologists in the exact same manner Paddy will
2: uh, you give me a mi- little more volume there are you talking a little little tighter into the phone for there we're just not yeah. picking you up go on sorry
5: can you hear me now yeah
2: yeah, yeah come on yes come ahead
5: yeah um, so uh, I, in uh, MOAT it's the cow doing the embryo production for you um, and it's IVP in our system It's uh, they're made in a lab so the embryos are made in a lab down in Cork Um in the exact similar method or method to uh, human um, IVF, so there's very little difference between our methodologies and human uh, and human IVF. Um, the advantages are uh, for the, the IVP is that you can do it much more frequently and have a a, a higher welfare standard for the animal because it uh, less invasive than the MOET, and she's not actually doing any work; she's just fairly uh, really kindly lending us her eggs to get the job done.
2: Okay, so it's less invasive, would you say, as well, for for the animal itself?
5: It is. Well, it's actually a surgical procedure. Um, it is a very uh, precise um, procedure. It, it's done via ultrasound-guided needle, via um, vet, um, and in terms of uh, being invasive on the reproductive tract, it is far less uh, so than the MOET, um, to such an extent that you can actually collect off pregnant animals uh, up until they're three months in calf, um, because they are still turning over eggs, um, and uh, you know it, it makes no impact on them um, in terms of their production whatsoever. So it proves pretty advantageous for farmers in that respect.
2: Its success rate—how would you uh, quantify it? One compared to the other?
5: And um, IV, IVF, um, per over a course of time, will produce more embryos from your donor. The the MOET. Um, if you're only going to do something once, it, it will probably produce more embryos in a single hit. But um, the IVF it, it gives a, a greater flexibility. So over the course of time, you'll get more embryos, you'll get more embryos to different matings, which makes it attractive to farmers in in that um you know, they, what might take them a couple of years to do with older systems or even traditional AI, they could, they could achieve in a couple of months.
2: And where did you come across this?
5: So um, I, I practiced predominantly in the UK after qualification. And um, I came to work with a company uh, called AB Europe, um, which is the largest um, artificial breeding company in the UK, but, but predominantly do sheep. Um, and they were looking for someone to to do the cattle work in the UK for them alongside the vet that they already had. And um, the only catch was I needed to go to New Zealand. So I I went to New Zealand um, and spent several breeding seasons there and uh, that's where I learned to do it because it's done on a very large scale in the New Zealand dairy herd. Um, And globally, actually, IVP is overtaking the traditional MOET system Um, Roughly two to one now in in countries around the world.
2: And is this necessary for only certain animals? Because normally you have artificial insemination and everything sort of works from there. Is it with problematic cows?
5: It, it, it can work very well with problematic cows um, for example we're here in West mead just now I'm on far enough probably explain the volume issues but um you know we did we did three pregnant animals and and four problem cows there in the last couple of hours um, you know but um, it actually works best in animals that have no issues but it should really only be done on the top top animals so you know you're talking a top two percent of the of the herds in order then to produce animals um, that are more productive for less land use, essentially, and that's where it's being used in a lot of countries. And it's it's a fairly relevant thing here in Ireland just now, uh, given derogation, etc. Hmm. It's you know the the idea of having your top animals producing multiple um, versions of themselves essentially um, uh, drives your herd forward and and it makes it more efficient. So, for example, in New Zealand's dairy herd, the top producing animals, the ones that produce the highest figures and, and perform best in terms of fertility, they're the donors. They're the ones that are selected here in Ireland and in the UK. It's it's kind of top show animals generally in the beef side of things. That's currently the, the largest market. So again, the best of the herds, the ones that they want um, to, you know, to, to have performed better than all their peers, That's that's who you're going to pick. So, in
2: other words, you're influencing uh, the uh, calves that emerge, etc. That they're top class when you impregnate different mothers.
5: Yeah, exactly. So, if you think of it, a standard AI system is is is, a, is one step forward every year. It's a single calf. Uh, this system can mean that a, a top producer could produce ten plus calves a year, um, and still produce her own. You know, the, um, you, she can still have her own calf through AI, and then also do this. Uh, to produce 10, you know, maybe two, two or three different bulls, which, again, expands genetic pool rapidly um, while also pushing it forward. So it does two things at the same time.
2: Very, very interesting. Stay there a minute, will you? Shea Sheridan is on the other line and he's going to have a word with me because he ha- has, from experience, uh, used and uh, availed of IVP. Shay, good to talk to you again.
0: Good afternoon, Jerry. How
2: are you? I'm good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Tell me your story. How did you hear about the, the IVP and, and, and what has it meant to you?
0: Well, very simple, Jerry. Uh, like, five years ago, um, uh, the uh, teacher rack Farm in Dundalk had their annual heifer sale and we uh, and the daughter went down and bought uh, show heifer off them. And Paddy had given, had done work for the teacher at Moore Farm and had given a voucher. And the voucher came to us, and I knew nothing about it at the time. And then the daughter was getting, Lucy was getting very interested in showing cattle. And uh, we just read up about it. I rang Paddy up. He explained how the system worked and a uh, very nice man Paddy and uh, talked us through it and we decided then we, we would try it. So um, we, the first year we tried a couple of cows that we had bought and a heifer that we'd bought from the sea at Mo farm and we uh, kind of went on from there, day,
2: And you found it very successful. Is it true you've had almost a 100% success, A right? 100% is it?
0: No, well, what happened, so as we've done it repeatedly with Paddy so this, our last take we had a 100% take yes yep. uh, it worked very very well but uh, <laughs> it's not all roses uh, as Paddy would tell you like it's different and look at different times of the year maybe diet things have issued like we've tried to do the same with different uh, animals but look at every every time you do it you're learning something more and uh, you're trying to because Paddy says you're trying to get as many eggs out of your best animal, you know, to mm. try and try and produce the, the the best animal you can. And look, it's it's not so much on my end. It's uh, as I said, it's my daughter Lucy and her friend Kieran King. Um, they're they're into showing cattle, and uh, it's just a way of way of increasing and getting more numbers, as Paddy said. Like instead of for to wait ten years to get ten calves from that one good cow, you could get hopefully you could get say from five to ten calves from that one cow within one year. Yes. So it's it's speeding up the process of getting very good livestock out of your best animals and uh it's it's very interesting and even the process and watching them how to do it, it was totally new to us and uh as I say Uh, Paddy very professional and Jan from the the Ireland and they came down and did several different visits at different times and uh, taken eggs. Now we had unsuccessful hits with one or two animals but that's the nature Like,
1: Mm. like
0: nature's nature if the animal isn't feeling up to it she's not going to play ball and then uh, and then it's the deal with the, the farmer has to look after that animal so maybe some of the responsibility falls back on us maybe we didn't watch the diet enough or maybe we didn't uh, you know take her in and look after her. it just depends you see different factors and n- nature at the end of it even though the eggs are deter- are made in the lab nature still determines of course. the loss like, of know. course
2: it does but hey you booked the trend with these twins did you?
0: Yes, it was a massive surprise. Uh, so that was our very that was, that take of them eight halfers was very very good, and uh, we did get them scanned earlier in the year, and uh, the scanner says to us that that one has twins. But in the nature of it, I just presume, because that Paddy had only put in one egg, I says he just had a bad day, or he just, he didn't, he didn't read it right, and I, I, I doubted him, like, and, uh, so I didn't pass much heat on it, I just presumed she was going to have one, like, how, how could she have two, you know, like, it was literally only one egg, so, uh, oh, we were calving them there, and, uh, first calf came out, and we kind of knew by her, she was still, uh, still on for having another calf so we handled her and a little small calf came out now probably I should have fed her a little bit more at the time but look we've two live calves out two bull calves and they're flying yeah Yeah, good on you
2: good on you there you are nature again how do you know Paddy Buckley how how could Shay Sheridan doubt you (laughs)
5: <laughs> I mean, that's easy enough done I think <laughs> <laughs> but probably one of the most doubted men in Ireland that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, another one shows
2: up what's the take up Paddy in general terms is, is this rolling on and picking up all the time
5: yeah um, I think it, it honestly it's probably taken us by surprise the level of interest to begin with um, you know uh, I have to pay our respect to the highly experienced ET technician Richard Duffer retired just as we were starting and uh, we, we had taken a little bit of that work on which has no doubt helped us but um, yeah I think you know we offer a different perspective there's a lot of uh, valuable animals in this country um, and um, there's a lot of very sought after genetics and I think we we offer that uh, slightly different option um, to do it uh, and if you're using anything particularly expensive in terms of semen, etc., our semen use is extremely low. We need, only need a single straw to cover, you know, up to seven or eight donors, um, which provides an option that just isn't there to, in, in any other technique. Um, it is quite right. Look, the, the, it isn't always rosy. It is, is very difficult. It can be very frustrating at times. Um, but the thing that you know I do personally, and the team around me, we commit to to making sure we get it to work for everyone and um, you know nature wins all the time and um, be it uh, this or any other part of the veterinary work that i've done nature is, has the final say but uh you know we do our best to work with it and uh, it has been it's been quite pleasing to see how well it's been taken up you know we've, we've collected nearly 1800 donors in ireland since we started uh produced approximately seven and a half thousand embryos um roughly a quarter of those and somewhere near 2000 have been implanted and we're now approaching a thousand calves in the ground so um, you know far beyond our expectations mm. when we started out to do
2: that Oh surely you're heading in the right direction that is for sure. Boys I'm going to leave it there today. Shay, I'll be back on not you I'll, I'll pop down and have a chat with Lucy and Kieran, and have a look at these show cattle if that's alright.
0: Definitely, Jerry very welcome. Ah oh, good
2: man yourself always great to us. Shay Sheridan and Paddy Buckley thank you so much for joining me on the show Thank you very much. Take care. Bye. I've been away, but Louise has been here for the last couple of weeks, but I believe you haven't heard from her. How are you? how are you <laughs> welcome back thanks very much well, two today. of us are back today with the looks of things <laughs> you were watching the rugby I mentioned it a, a little while ago was, I think
6: everybody was, oh, it, was it, e-
2: it was epic wasn't it mm. and the other thing was Leona Maguire yesterday in the Solheim Cup Europe beat America well they drew with them but they kept the cup for the third year it's the women's equivalent of the Ryder Cup mm-hmm. which is happening next weekend. Leona Maguire Louise what a player what a player the mm. Irish uh, woman she was just brilliant again and led them to I have to say I'll say I'll be biased led them to to the win a a great sporting weekend all round. it has to be said do you know what i heard last evening kind of the The, weather
6: to watch the sport though isn't
2: it uh, it is oh louise and by the way folks there's a bitch of a storm coming on wednesday and if we get the full force of this this is a storm to be wary of on wednesday i'm not joking you the winds could go to 80 to 90 mile an hour and a lot of mm-hmm. rain as well. They're looking at it very carefully at the moment, and but they're
6: he, saying Cork and Kerry should get the brunt of it so far.
2: I think it'll. Lo- it, it could move up a little you bit. Think so. You know, we better watch it anyway. That's that. Uh, we'll we keep you posted on Can that. Bring Com- the boat coming in coming on that. I tell you for sure. Batten down the hatches is what they say. There's somebody looking for you already. Will you silence that, yo <laughs> it's God's the Carlsberg thing I again. <laughs> it's the Carlsberg. That's not the Carlsberg phone. That never stops ringing. That phone. What are you talking about? <laughs> do you know what I heard last night for the first time? Bangers. Oh, I hate them. First of the bangers last night. Halloween is still, what, five weeks away? And yeah, I heard the first of them last night. Some, um, some rocket merchants were out already last evening. We're dogs. Oh, I just think it, it goes crazy, doesn't it, mm-hmm. this time? It goes absolutely crazy. But anyway, I heard of the first of them uh, last evening. Um, can I tell you a little story? I like telling little stories. <laughs> um, my passport is out of date January. Okay. So I was talking to Sandra Finnegan, our go-to for the holidays and breaks, and she said to me.
4: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves,
1: feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.
2: You know what, I'd renew that already. but Mm, You you need six months, don't you? Yeah, you you do. So I decided anyway. So Sarah, my daughter, when I was off uh, on a Wednesday evening, went online on the phone, did the whole lot, paid for it and all. That was Wednesday evening, right? Mm. Online, passport, in the letterbox Saturday morning. No way. Done and dusted. So what so photo
6: did you use? One from 10 years ago or something? No,
2: recent she one? took one of me there and then. And then. <laughs> I beg your pardon. I, I, I'm not into the politics game yet. When I get into the politics game, I'll be going back to the old photos. The politicians. <laughs> oh, they love the stuff from years ago. Who did they think they're codding? Uh, no, she took a picture of me there and then on the iPhone oh, just and sent it, sent it off. Isn't oh, that's so, really handy. Isn't that some service? From Wednesday yeah. night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. We have a post on Saturday morning passport was in the the letterbox It's off
6: peak times obviously Well
2: uh, I don't know but I have to Mm -hmm. say uh, I uh, I was really really pleased that it came so quickly Now I've ordered the passport card as well You know there's a card you can get along with the passport itself
6: Right. Yeah, oh, now, yeah, you, you don't pre- have to bring the whole passport.
2: No, you pay a little extra for it. That hasn't arrived. Now, okay. that's been ordered a few days. That hasn't arrived. I'm still waiting on that one. But certainly, the, the response on the passport, if you were thinking of it, folks, online ordering your new passport was simply, simply fantastic. I have to uh, ha- give credit where, where credit so what's is. What's the
6: card for? Can you only go to certain countries with the card? I don't know. Or can I, you go everywhere? I suppose. Because-
2: do you know what? I, do you know what I think it is, mm. Louise? I'd stick the card in your little wallet or your handbag or whatever and if you have your passport and if one you to to went missing in to the three in the morning Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just on
6: impulse I think you could,
2: you'd be. That'd be very good for you to have the card <laughs> <laughs> Would you not agree with me? Would uh, wouldn't yeah, you agree would with you? me?
6: Yeah but I'd miss if you were going abroad to get it stamped You know the way yeah. you used to be able to get it stamped Yeah, I passport don't know what, they Do not be able anymore? to do the card
2: Yeah do they do that anymore? Did do they, they, they stamp? not? I, I don't think so I think that's history as well. I'm not sure. I don't. There used to be stamps. You're right. Mm. Of all places you'd go. But I just got the card as a fallback. I think you can. I suppose you can travel them. I must find that out. But the card does enable you to have a backup, I think, to your passport. Okay. I think that's the thing about it for sure. And and that's that's not bad, to be honest with you, to have that. But uh, a great service, I have to say. A really wonderful service. And, and hats off to them. Oh, we talk about it, don't we, all the time. The roads again the mm-hmm. weekend. Oh, they just give up, do you? to give up talking about road safety and slowing down i was down the country i have to say for a few days and i was so conscious driving louise of the speed limits you know the way it comes up on your car tells you what speed you're doing I met about three speed vans going south, and I was within the limit, thank God. But I was conscious when the limits were changing that I was dropping down or moving up mm-hmm. or whatever, but staying within the limits. But was so at
6: the forefront of your head. That's you know, that's in
2: my mind now. Yeah, that's really in my mind. I had got to slow down. I got to slow down. I think we all got to slow down. But
6: yeah, but it's it's slowing down is one thing. I think slow drivers are just as bad, and I just think oh, everybody sure. has to concentrate and yes. have a bit of patience, and that's what it is. It's concentration.
2: No phones, really? no WhatsApps, no looking up numbers. You're right. And slow drivers are equally as dangerous. I agree with you. As fast drivers and can cause frustration as well. But God have mercy on the souls of those people who, and the little boy. In uh, Donegal, oh, who yeah. lost his life the weekend. It's just awful. It really, really is. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio, still to come on the show. A little bit later on, Dundalk playwright Jackie McCarrick is with us. Belfast Girl is heading to New York. And Ruth Guest will be with me shortly. She's a cyber psychologist and she's talking about online bullying. They're coming to Dublin next spring. Where, can I pronounce them? But it's not take that that's coming to Dublin. Because yeah, they're not all there. They're not all well, I don't know whether you're talking about a couple of <laughs> there are numbers in the band. <laughs> yes, you're right. There were five, weren't there? There yeah. are three now. So, can we say it's take that?
6: Take that. Take or,
2: that. I'm coming or to or Dublin. Take it or leave us. <laughs> Next spring, tickets on sale, and none of you are going to get the tickets because that nonsense, I'm going to come back to that again someday. Anyway, it's take that on late lunch and never forget it's us. Thank you very much. The passport card says a listener is for travelling in Europe only. You can't use it to the United States. And Jerry, same as yourself, I had a wonderful experience. I got my passport online, and it really was so quick. And it's good to report that uh, that it is a fast turnaround uh, with the passport. And uh, keep them coming to us. Your messages 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, a recent uh, report from Cyber Safe Kids uh, has revealed that 40% of the children interviewed for uh, the survey were bullied online and 84% of eight to 12-year-olds have their own social media account. I'm delighted to uh, say hello to my next guest on the show. She's a cyber psychologist and she's into tackling uh, online bullying uh, in her, uh, on her online platform called Sersha. Welcome to the show, Ruth, guest.
1: Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks I'm, for having me on.
2: I'm really good. Thank you for joining me today on the show. I emphasise 84% of 8 to 12-year-olds have social media accounts at eight years of age, Ruth. Come on.
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I remember when I first got my own social media account, I think I might have been 13 or 14, and it was Bebo back in the days. And yeah. that was young. Mm. I can't imagine uh, eight-year-olds having social media accounts now. But it's so popular. Um, and especially if other peers want to be online, kids are going to want to copy their friends. And so it, it makes sense
2: yeah and you know it's the reality of today how much we bemoan it and I do bemoan it here so many times because I'm from an era even mm. uh, before you and I remember the Bebo thing as well and, and the yeah. other thing just when you mentioned that we're having social media accounts you know the yeah. Sutta sort of is say uh, the transition from primary school to secondary school say at the age of 12 before they get a phone uh, a phone that's even getting younger isn't it all the time
1: it is, it is. Now, we conducted, uh, as part of SERSHA, we conducted some surveys um, a few months ago. And what we always thought was it was the 12 to 13 age group that gets the phone as soon as they get into secondary school. Yeah. But it is getting younger. Mm. And in fact, from some of our surveys, we had a couple of parents say that kids as young as four. looking for mobile phones their own mobile phones which is obviously very young and it just seems to be the trend i think a part of it is about safety for the kids and parents do worry about their kids especially if they're walking to school that's an excuse for them to get a phone what i think parents don't realize is that there's other opportunities and um, options out there to keep their kids safe and there's smart watches and things like that to track their location kids don't actually need to be on social media it can be a super positive influence don't get me wrong it can enhance communication and creativity and it can be fantastic for kids Um, and there are so many dangers out there and i don't think parents and kids actually realize the dangers that that are there you know
2: mm. I love your company name Sertia, of course which means freedom Trigelga, mm-hmm. uh, which is a wonderful name and that's what we're all looking for isn't it a freedom to you know engage online but to live our lives in in the, in the present and as real human beings as well tell us about Saoirse what is it about
1: yeah sure so of course Sersha means freedom in Irish and our mission is essentially to give families freedom to navigate the online world safely Um, So what we found some of the biggest issues for preteens and for parents, the biggest risks are cyberbullying, inappropriate content, screen time and online predators or stranger danger. And so what we're actually developing is a game for preteens to understand these risks and to put them in control situations. So maybe they would experience those risks in a game scenario and they'll be able to manage it and deal with it. And then on the parenting side it will be an online platform for parents to learn about social media, social media updates, how their kids are maybe interacting on social media and what it means for their future and how they present themselves. Essentially, it's going to be cyber psychology in a nutshell for parents and for kids so they can protect themselves and navigate the online world now and have the education to do it in the future too.
2: So what do you need? Do you need parents to come to you and younger people to come to you? Or how do you get them? How do you draw them in? I'm curious about that.
1: Yeah, so what we're doing at the moment is we're still building um, this app. So we're hoping to launch at the end of December. Um, and that's, that's the mission at the moment. Um, but for now, we, we'd love to speak to parents and support them as much as we can. Because what we've realized is that kids don't really care. <laughs> they just want to get the phone into their hands. Yes. They, don't, they don't really care about the risks, but the parents really do. And we want to support them as much as possible. So we can actually offer your listeners, our listeners access to our waiting list. And we also have a thing called the smartphone safety open call. This is a weekly recurring opportunity to have a one-to-one call with me and I can help parents answer any questions they have about the internet and social media um, because obviously it's in my background. Mm,
2: no, very good, and that's great. I'm going to come back to that before we finish yeah. and you give us the details on that. You have uh, uh, on your online presence yourself six strategies to help you know parents navigate the digital world with their children. Let's just run mm-hmm. through those if you wouldn't mind for a moment. The first yeah. thing, I suppose, a lot of parents feel helpless and hopeless in this and you begin by saying educate yourself
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: what do exactly. you mean by that
1: I think I think the problem is is that the technology is advancing so fast and we all have to keep up to date especially if we look at like the advances of OpenAI and chat UPC over the last few months I've had to educate myself on that as someone who's quite into tech if parents don't have the time and that's really the issue here Parents are busy. They've got full-time jobs. They've got to bring their kids to the after extracurricular activities. They've got to cook the dinner. They don't have time to be doing everything. But if they can just start by educating themselves about the technology and social media that's out there, then I think it'll become a lot easier to open up conversations at home to educate their kids. So when their kids do come to them with like, the, the latest trends, mm. and it, it means the parents aren't like, well, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, they will be ahead of the curve. and They'll know exactly what their kids are talking about. It just gives them an extra resource.
2: So as parents, you've got to do that and uh, be up to speed and in the game as it happens. Now, setting boundaries. You know, Alan O'Donoghue is a parenting guru who joins us as well here on the show and he always said this, it's up to parents to parent and you're talking here, what, about screen time limits, uh, limiting when devices are used and especially, you know, having them in the bed at night, that's a no-no, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it it really, really is. And I think that's where a lot of the issues come from, is when there's no open conversation or dialogue in the family or in the house about technology with your kids, it can become very private and you don't want kids to keep everything private on their phone because that's where the issues happen. Um, so setting boundaries is really important. We can only give suggestions of the boundaries. It can parents can set up. However, it is up to them to parent their, their child as they will know best and they will know what's right for their child. Mm,
2: there has to be limitations. There has to be boundaries. Exactly. And that leads us into uh, the third point, using parental controls. They are there. They are offered to parents. You can install them on devices, can't you?
1: There is... So much out there for parents at the moment in terms of parental controls there there's actually there's a huge list that you could use but even even still there is one set up through apple and through android there's plenty of parental controls out there just use them they're free mm. take a half an hour learn how to set it up and just do it and then you i would also recommend setting up parental control for the snapchat and the tiktoks and the instagram so you know what's going on on the on the apps that the kids are using too
2: yeah, because if you don't, it is the wild west out there and your children will be bombarded by stuff that they shouldn't really be seeing or involved with. Exactly. Communication you touched on already. It is important that they tell you that you open this conversation about what they're seeing, what they're doing, be it good, bad or yeah. indifferent.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean all conversation is good conversation. And what I have kind of noticed as a trend is that kids that have preteens, they're they're fantastic, yeah. And then they, they go into their teen years and maybe puberty hits and you know they don't they don't their parents are cool and they want to distance themselves and that's totally normal and completely fine but what we want to teach at search is the ability to keep the communication going throughout those core years because then for example if your child does run into some dangerous scenarios uh, online when they're 14, 15 or 16, they have the tools and the ability to come to you or come to the parents and say, look, I'm struggling with this because of X, Y and Z. Fostering open communication is fundamental in, from what we experience and what we believe at Saoirse anyway.
2: And I love this one. Be a digital role model for your children. Oh, my God. The parents, (laughs) by times, you could choke them. You know what I mean? They're at the table and they're on the phone scrolling themselves. You can't lay down the law to your child if if you're not showing a good example. Can you really?
1: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly it. Listen, your child is going to do exactly what you're doing. So if you come home from a long day at work and you're scrolling on TikTok, they're going to want to do the same. So, yeah, it is important to be a digital role model in that circumstance. But even, let's say, for example, like you're, you have a social media profile like Instagram and you're friends with your child, let's say, for example, it's going to be very important that they what they see online is actually okay. Mm. What you're interacting with is okay. Yes. And what your profile is set up that it's fine. And there's nothing kind of strange there because they will copy that behavior too
2: yes and that's very good point to make because they're watching online too i never thought that exactly. you see the, you see such an innocent i am such a gull i never really under, yes i see what you're saying for sure that is so important as well and of course then the final point is actually staying involved taking interest in their online activities as well as what they do uh, from day to day come back to mm-hmm. what you mentioned would you please your wait list and your smartphone safety open call
1: yeah, so with the waitlist, like I said, we're hoping to launch our product at the end of December this year, and we are basically taking names for a waitlist for people to have a go at Sersha when we first launch it, and that is for preteens, and it is for parents also. And we have a smartphone safety open call, so what we really want to do is build up trust with parents and let them know that we are building this specifically for them and their families to make sure that they have a really good online experience now and in the future. So if there are parents who are maybe um, concerned about their child's social media use or they have questions about Snapchat or TikTok and they're unsure maybe about certain settings or they're unsure about how to have those conversations, we're more than happy to speak to them and they can book a call with me. And it's called the Smartphone Safety Open Call. Um,
2: And how do they book that?
1: So they can head over to our website and there will be a link there, sarsha.ai.
2: They'll be able to access the link there and book it that way. And it's S-E-R-S-H-A dot A-I. That's sersha the Irish word, dot A-I. Very interesting. You're on the money, I have to say. I wish you good luck with the app. And uh, when you have it up and running, come back to me. Be delighted to chat again. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ruth.
1: Thanks very much, Sherry. Speak to you soon.
2: Take care of yourself. That's Ruth Guest there. She's a cyber psychologist on tackling online bullying, and it is an issue. You hear there from eight years of age, they have accounts. Younger, they have phones. The bullying will follow. That's for sure. But if you uh, do what Ruth says there and take that on board, give her a shout if you're worried or concerned. There, she'll look after you for sure. Richard uh, was on about the uh, passport card. Did you see that, Louise? And how, how dare he? Uh, Richard says Jerry needs the card for an age check when he goes to the Earth Nightclub. I'll tell you this. <laughs> Stop laughing, you. It's been a long, long time since I've been in the Earth Nightclub. I remember being there one one time many moons ago with Liam Manning and a few of the boys from Aircom. Now, this will tell you how long ago it is. It's a long, long time. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> we went there to get a late drink. You know what I mean? Sure, we went there. We went there to... You know when the pubs would close? You try yep. to get in and, and get a late drink. Anyway, Liam said to yeah. me the next day he says you see that last night he says I go there once a year to have a look around and remind myself why I only go there once a year <laughs> I thought it was a great one altogether anyway I won't be using it for
6: I remember years. oh ages the last time I was in the earth we came over in a minibus from Navin because <laughs> um, Grant from EastEnders oh yeah was in the earth oh I see mm, they used to be big promotions and they bring right. over a load of people that's true yeah so um yeah, we got a Bidney bus over to see Grant. Are we a big fan? Yeah. Woo! We all were. I at see. that stage, EastEnders was huge.
2: They were great at bringing at over B celebs. All oh, fantastic B celebrities. B
6: celebs. Mm. I would have classed him as an A celeb. Did you? All right. Then. Well, we'll yeah. say
2: he was an A for, for editorial purposes <laughs> and late lunch and just to keep your ego flying. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I never went there to see. I remember going to see a one in. I interviewed her actually. I don't know where she was in drama. She was a page three girl many, many moons ago. I can't even think of her name. Went to Scholars when Deirdre was producing the show. I can't remember the girl's name. I I went and interviewed her and she was grand. But anyway, that was uh, that's just an aside. And And, where uh, was she going to be? She was appearing somewhere. Do you know what I mean? And I interviewed her before wherever. It could have been the earth could have been in the air mm. now and I, I remember meeting her in scholars before she went down there I think she gave it up a while afterwards
6: I can't remember her name oh god I
2: can't remember her name at all who mm. she was I'll, I'll, I'll have to think about that sure I'm only trying to think on my feet here and I, I couldn't remember what I had for my breakfast anyway um, that, that yeah I think she, she might have been one of the ones that you remember what she looked like oh yeah <laughs> I kept looking into her eyes as I <laughs> held the microphone and spoke to her what else would you the do colour her eyes Jerry <laughs> blue <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> 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 anyway, moving swiftly really along. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> giddy before I stay back after the holidays. What was her name? That's now killing me. I, anyway, um, <laughs> did you. <laughs> Did you see uh, NASA? Did you see that story from NASA about mm. the uh, the asteroid? Did you see this? They sent a thing out to an asteroid. It took seven years for it to go out into the far ends of outer space and back to Earth. It came back to Earth. <laughs> I think yeah, they yeah. should have sent you. Earth, I'm still thinking about your woman and her blue eyes. <laughs> Anyway, it came back to Earth yesterday, and they have it now, and they're just fast. They're on hyper. They're on high dough about what they're going to discover mm. from the rock that's in. How the much thing. did it cost? Uh, well, when you just think, it's disgusting. Louise. Seven years and all the people involved in it—unbelievable, really. But anyway, they're excited. They think this might. I should
6: be putting the money towards climate change yes. here or
2: something. Well, they say this might give them. This might be the key to understanding the formation of. Uh, the solar system and mm-hmm. which includes planet Earth etc but there you go anyway they got it back successfully yesterday after seven years and they're over the moon about it and for for, for space people and people who love that t- type of thing they're absolutely delighted like I was when I was in Scholars interviewing your woman late lunch on the MFM radio <laughs> I found out things about the earth that night what was her name anyway <laughs> uh, coming up after three I'll Google it while like we're gravity, off on a break I, I'm going to Google this when I'm off on a break I'll tell them when I come back Jackie McCarrick coming after three and my top five countdown but taking us to the top of the hour at three it's Kiss Me from Dermot Kennedy what was her name You know, Louise, that's the one thing about late lunch listeners. You can rely on them always to come to your rescue. There are fountains of knowledge out there. Did they come to your rescue? (laughs) When I couldn't compose compose myself before three three (laughs) o'clock, they came to my rescue. You were
6: very giggly, weren't you?
2: (laughs) I was because I just took a bit of the (laughs) giggles. Anyway, Louise was telling us about that celebrity in the air at nightclub. Who was it again? Grant from East... Grant East, Mitchell. From East End that? Really. She came over in a minibus to a door at one stage and then it, I don't know how it diverted into me interviewing a page three girl at one stage. It was in Scholar's Restaurant and she was in town and I said, how did the blue eyes thing come into it? Somebody said,
6: did I... I asked you. You asked me. Had she, yeah, oh yeah. I couldn't remember her yeah, name. And I,
2: I said they were blue, which is true. And... Quite a number of people said it. it. must have been Samantha Fox, Jerry, because Samantha Fox had blue eyes. It wasn't Samantha Fox because she was earlier. She's a little bit earlier. She's yeah, 80s, she was. isn't she? Or late yeah, somebody 80s? else said Jodie Marsh, who was there also on page three. And somebody else, really, Jerry, had she really big blue eyes. And I I started, I googled it. I googled it on the break. I'm nearly sure now it was Claire Tully was her name. Looks she fun. was an Irish one who appeared in the Sun newspaper. Anyway, I'm nearly sure it was her. She gave up subsequently and disowned everything about it, like a lot of them did. Anyway, Claire Tully. I'm nearly sure it was Claire Tully. That's the name I was trying to to dig up from my old memory. Anyway, thank you everybody for the help and the suggestions and your knowledge of of, of all things pageantry. Anyway, it's time to do this now in late lunch. Five,
0: four, three, two. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today, it's...
2: The number five from this very week. I'm going back a little bit. In 1983, it's a great top five, folks. I'm telling you, it's an absolute cracker this week. And when I mentioned the likes of Love of the Common People, Wherever I Lay My Hat, Every Time You Go Away, Everything Must Change. Who am I talking about? Well, I am talking about the man who has the number five from this week. He was in bands called Cat Cool and The Cool Cats, Street band, and I actually saw him performing with Q Tips where they supported uh, the police in Kildare many moons ago. Yes, it is Mr. Paul Young, and a song that was first recorded in 1981 by its writer Jack Lee. Didn't do a whole lot for him, but when Young picked it up in 1983 and put it on his album No Parlez, it became an international hit. Yes, our number five from this week in '83 is Mr. Paul Young. And come back and stay. Why don't you go? Yes, sir. Number five from this week in 1983. Top five countdown. It's Mr. Paul Young. And come back and stay a great one. I'll bring you four, three, two. And into number one on Friday here in the show round about this time. Final break of the day and the afternoon coming up afterwards. I'm looking forward to a catch-up with her. She's really talented. Dundalk playwright Jackie McCarrick, one of our most famous works, Belfast Girls, is heading for New York again. It's not the first time it's been staged in New York. I'm talking about the brilliant play Belfast Girls and the woman who brought it all to us. It joins me on the line again, Jackie McCarrick. Good afternoon.
7: Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks so much for speaking to me today, Brad. It's
2: great. No, delighted to catch up with you. It's been far, far too long. Well, it's heading back New York where it's been staged there successfully before, but it opened uh, very recently on September 22nd and runs to October 15th. Where has it been staged this time, Jackie?
3: This
7: time it's with Irish Class Irish Classical Theatre Company, ICTC. They're um, a really great company, uh, very renowned. They try to do as many um, Irish plays as possible. Not always living playwrights. So uh, it's, you know, it's good to be alive. <laughs> to have, uh, <laughs> this is what they've said to me, which is great. Um, so it's happening in Andrews Theatre in Buffalo. And they have a great space. I've seen the photographs of it. Um, and it's in the round. This is the first time the play will be performed in the round. So that's very interesting, yeah. So, yeah, that's where it is now.
2: Just for our listeners who wouldn't be familiar, just give us the background to Belfast Girls, 1848 to 1851, thousands of Irish women uh, headed on ships to Australia.
7: That's right. Um, I think it was something like 4,100 and something, you know, over 4,000. Girls um, were given this this chance to leave Ireland during the famine uh, under this scheme called the Earl Grey scheme, and several ships left between the years eighteen forty eight and uh, eighteen I think the last one was in eighteen fifty one um, from Ireland to Australia um, mainly for I mean, it served two purposes. First, it would relieve the overflowing workhouses, but also to provide labor, servants, um, you know, work, workers in the fields, things like that in um, Australia. Although though it was never said, it you know, also provided wives because colloquially these ships were known as brideships historically they became known as brideships. I mean, they're not going to advertise, I suppose, we need wives in Australia. So that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But figures show that 60% of the uh, girls who went over within three years were married. So um, effectively, that was one of the reasons too, I think, why, um, why the scheme was put in place. Um, it's, it's tricky for me because I've also written the screenplay of this. Mm. So um, I've done even more research after writing the play and, and looking at the Earl Grey himself and the reasons for all of reasons why the scheme was put together and how it was received in the British Parliament and all this kind of stuff. So um, the story just gets you know, bigger and
2: bigger in a way. more interesting all all of the time. And, of course, the the Belfast girls were a particular group of girls that you, you know, brought to stage and you say screenplay, etc. now that were, you know, uh, quite unique in, in their own way. Isn't it fantastic that you're going back to New York again with this and it just keeps on giving?
1: Yeah, I mean...
7: It does, and I just think it just chimes with a lot of things that are going on. I mean, I just know from the reviews that it's had over the years that um these recent years that it touches on things like in two thousand and sixteen um and two thousand and seventeen when it was on in Chicago in Canada. Um, And then Pittsburgh, they kept, they were talking about, you know, the Me Too movement. Yeah. And then during the Trump era, and there was the whole thing of emigration and the, the, you know, the wall against Mexico and stuff like that, that they would mention emigration. So, because these girls are leaving on a ship. So, it just seemed to have this resonance in lots of different areas of the times that we are currently in. So, um And that just keeps happening. And I suppose because it's an all-female story. And when I wrote this, I mean, I first wrote this. I started to research in 2011. And when I first wrote this, one of the reasons why I did in the the initially was that I wanted to do an all-female piece. So I was because there weren't a lot of all-female plays, and so I, you know, I was looking for a story. And so, but since then, there's lots of all-female works. So even the times have changed. And um, so I just think it finds, it keeps finding resonance. And that's a very good thing, you know. It's good for me, but it's... it's it's, yeah, it's nice to keep finding meaning like that.
2: It's timeless, and that's all you can say about a work like this. And uh, in my book, will always be timeless. You see, you were to the vanguard uh, on the all-women thing back in 2011. As you say, many have mm. followed suit uh, ever since. What's happening mm. with you at the moment? What are you up to uh, uh, at the present time? What's next?
7: Right, well, this year, I mean, I have been working on a novel, and you're, I'm speaking to you from the Tyrone Guthrie Centre in Monaghan, um, where I'm finishing that novel that I've been working on for about ten years, but it kept being interrupted because I had, you know, lots of shows on and, and productions of Belfast Girls. Um, so I've sort of very much finished that, and I'm going to hand that in. But I've also been on attachment this year to the National in London to work on a new play. So that's a brand new new thing that I hope I'm hoping to. I mean, I know what it's about and I've done a lot of research. So I'm getting stuck into that in the next few days, actually. Um, And that will be set on the border again and probably an all-female story again. Um, But... um, yeah, I'm not going to say what it's about, but it's it's contemporary. But it's not historical. Very
2: good. So you are so, busy, yeah. and that centre I'm familiar with. It's a lovely place. It, it they say it's an inspirational place to work, and it, it, it you know it helps you know get the the creative juices flowing. Do you agree?
7: Oh, absolutely, and it really, really does because you're away from your everyday life and and the things that you have to do. You're looking at I'm looking at a lake right now. I'm surrounded by trees, the sun is out, there's lots of other um artists, writers and musicians here and it's just all about the work and I know you're in a bubble but you know, it's really good for you if you're working on on something that you need to concentrate on and if if you're just sort of finishing something and you just are putting in the time, you probably don't need to be in a place like this, but if you're starting something and you need to dig deep, I think uh, these places, or especially the Tyrone Guthrie Center is magnificent. And you know, he was a play, he was a dramaturg and a director himself. So there's always a sense of, I always feel this anyway, that his you know, presence sort of helps you in the work a mm.
2: little. I do think that. Oh yes, that's really really uh, interesting to hear that for you as an artist who works there. I can tell you one thing, Jackie, the lake you're looking out at, I had the privilege of, of winkling a pike or two out of that lake in my time. Really? Yes, sure. I've fished it and I've put them back safely as well, but it's a, it's a fine lake uh, from an angling perspective as well. I know it. It is an absolutely lovely, lovely uh, part of the world. Well listen, I I'm going to leave it there for today. Well done with Belfast Girls going back to New York and do come back to me when uh, those works, when the book and the the work you're working on with the National Theatre in London comes to fruition. I'd love to have you in studio with me again.
7: Thank you, Jerry. Thank You're you very so much.
2: welcome. Take care of yourself. Bye, Jackie. Take care now. That's Jackie McCarrick there from Dundalk. A wonderfully talented woman indeed uh, talking to us about Belfast Girls and what she's up to at the moment. What are we up to? <laughs> it's like being back your first day at school for me, isn't it? And getting it over and into the run of things. Uh, thanks indeed for being with us on Late Lunch this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey is on his way with The Drive here on LMFM Radio and we'll be back with your Late Lunch tomorrow, Tuesday. From half past one, with two on Tuesday and top five countdown coming your way. Some of the regulars tomorrow. See you then. Listen back to the Late Lunch Show podcast on lmfm.ie or the LMFM app.
0: Brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drahida, Dundalk, and Cavan. The nearly new Opel sale is
2: now on. Huge savings on the Opel Corsa, Astra, Crossland, and Grandland, and flexible finance options to suit all budgets. See BlackstoneMotors.ie.